a listener production. Howdy team, you are listening to episode 119 of the Howie Games Part B, a special edition little number for you looking into the art of sports doco making with the executive producers of two Amazon Prime blockbuster docos, The Test and Making Their Mark, Adrian Brown and Luke Tunnicliffe, or as you now know them, if you've listened to Part A, Slim and Tunners. Let's get back to the boys. Slim, I want to talk to you about Tim Payne in a moment and I want to talk to you Tunners about Damien Hardwick. I haven't obviously been able to see the grand final episode, but I've seen the clips and I've talked to you about it ad nauseum about what went on. So, Tunners, you start because just due to the nature of what you're doing, you had the bigger team. How do you get from X thousand hours to eight hours of television? Uh, an amazing team that's very capable of what they do. And, in, you know, AD will say the same about his team, but, you know, we believe we've got the best sports documentary producers in this country. You then sit down, you cut, you cut long versions of basically everything. From there, you sit down and you refine, you refine, you continue to refine, you continue to refine, and you end up going through, I don't know how many version of edits, but you will watch it, you watch every episode a hundred times. It just it it consumes you. It consumes your life. Um, and if you're not passionate about it, forget it, because you have to be. It's uh, it's an all encompassing project. You talk about being consumed, Slim. You you would have been even more hands on than Luke because you've come from an editing background, so you could edit the show by yourself if you chose to do that. How consuming did the test become in your life? <sighs> It does. It does. It does so much to the point. I think I read something about documentary makers that a few make one, not so many make two, yeah. because they suddenly realise that how much effort that you have to go back again after knowing of how much you put into the first one is a real challenge. Um, I described it as a way. I would say everyone's made a puzzle, but imagine you've got to make a puzzle where you actually you start building it and the pe- more pieces just kept getting added. So here's somewhat, you've got to build it, so you've got to start working towards it, but you know, here's some more pieces, here's some more pieces, and you actually don't know what you're making yet. So, but the whole point is, if you wait until you've got all the pieces, that's a harder effort than, you've just got to start. It's like anything, you've just got to start, and you make what we used to call them like little pods. So you go, hey, that's a great scene, there's something there, put that on the board, that works. Oh, this one's another one. And you start to try and find a link from scene to scene to scene to character. You might think that that little story here of Marnus and Smithy works well, you know, after Marnus makes his debut. Now, I'll go through the list here. Now, you will see there's some bloody good stories here. So congrats to those that are playing in this first test match. Okay, Fish, debut. Marnus. It was amazing, you know, just when they call out your name, all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, you know, it's actually happening. I'm going to play, you know, test cricket for my country. First of all, thank you, Justin, for the opportunity to come and present uh, Marnus with his cat. So good luck. I hope you uh, enjoy your journey with the Australian team.
you know, take it to when I got my cap presented by Haas. Um, you know, that was an awesome experience and that to share with my family and my friends came over from England. You kind of sit back now and you actually think about it and you go, wow. You know, the journey of cricket so, you know, roller coaster. you know, when you dream about playing your first test, you're never dreaming of getting a duck on the boo. Quick ones now for Australia. Marta is on his way. You know, after I got a duck in the first innings, you know, you sit there and go, am I going to be the guy that gets a pair on Testabu and doesn't play again? No, let's put it before because it's, more, it's, it's a seamless. It works better that way. And you start just building scenes, 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 characters. And again, what Luke said, you refine, you refine, you redraft. Whether you're a writer or whoever else it is, you just... You just have to start and put something down because if you don't, you don't get anywhere. Probably the same as you start this, this podcast, Howie. Like, you didn't have a rule book. you got to no. start. you got to but start. Do, does it consume both? You're like, it, it's, it's a much smaller thing that I'm putting together, but any spare moment in a day, my mind, for whatever reason, wanders off to the podcast. Who's the next guest? How are we going to do that? Who's the guest after that? What are we doing here? How much of your... Are you boys lying better awake at night thinking about it and ticking it over in your head? I'll go first. Yes. Um, I think f- f- when you go home, you leave the office, then you've got to go and watch another edit. So basically, I don't think I watched a lot of what well, I don't, I know. I didn't watch a lot of television last year because when I was going home, I was sitting down watching edit after edit, version after version of. You know, what I'd already seen 20 times, but that's what you have to do to continue to give notes, you know, to our edit team. And again, just lucky with the team that we've got in place, um, you know, we're able to get to the end with a, what we think is a great product. And I think that's the same. Mine was probably just late nights in the edit suite. I, in some ways I miss it. I really do miss... I used to, we used to work during the day, but the phone would ring. You'd be on the phone and other things. And then, say, from about seven, I used to do a couple of nights a week where you'd just sit in the edit suite alone. Maybe one editor would stay back and you'd just work and there was no phone calls and you would absorb yourself in the edit. And one of the amazing things about the editing software you can do now, you can make changes pretty quick. I, I couldn't imagine doing a, docu- a film-to-film edit back how they used to do in the day. <laughs> you were stuck with that. I, I don't know how to piece, like, having to work tape-to-tape like the beauty now is you can flip and flop and be adaptable and change it around. But I would love, I love nothing more than just sitting in an edit suite and being absorbed. You'd look up and it'd be 2, 3 a.m. in the morning and be like, oh, better get home. Um, but it does. It consumes you. But again, you're also so lucky to be doing what you're doing. Yeah. So you don't lose that part of it. You're just like, there's nowhere else I wanted to be. I wanted to be sitting in the Australian dressing rooms going, how amazing is this? It's awesome. That's the thing. It was never a chore, Howie. It felt, even though you didn't really have a life, you know, doing other things, this, it just didn't feel like a chore. It felt like, you know, you were, you're doing something that's, you're lucky and fortunate to get access that people would kill yeah. to see what we've seen. And that I think that's the great gift that you two with your teams are doing is bringing this behind the scenes, the Australian cricket team, Nick Natanui sleeping in a floor in a hotel because that's how he's most comfortable. Damien Hardwick's grand final speech. So let, let's talk about a few specific moments. For me, 80, there's two 
I'm very fortunate in my job that I know a lot of the people, well, I know all the people involved in your documentary, the cricketers, through my job, and I mentioned the bin scene with Justin Langer. To me, that is Justin as a man, so passionate. It can boil over, but he brings it straight back into line. Tim Payne's speech after they lost the Stokes test, to me, shows everybody else what I know of Tim Payne about how passionate and everyone's, oh, should this bloke be captain? You listen to that 25-second speech and you think, how could anyone else be captain? Mm. Tell me, well, tell me the first time you saw the speech. I had the same, I had the same thought. You, they, they come back in the rooms and you hear this thunderous headingly sort of still on top of them as they come back into the dressing rooms and no-one says a word. And then Tim stands up out of nowhere. Just, well, I'll go and do media now, boys, but I just want to say... That's going to hurt a lot, no doubt, for the next couple of days. However, as I said to a few of you out there, we've got two, still got two test matches. So let this sting. We had our chances to win that game and we f***ed it up. Shit happens. We can talk about that another time. We've got two test matches. We've got a bit of time off. Let's take, take time, stick together, keep knowing that the process we've got in place to beat these blokes is going to work. So it's not game over. It's not toys out of the cot. It's a game of cricket. Shit happens. Yeah, it was important and we wanted it. We should have won it. Let's move on and start getting our head around winning the next two tests. You know, and there's some big personalities in that Australian room and everyone's lost for words. And I don't think Tim, what I loved about it, I don't think Tim knew what he was going to say, but he just felt like he had to say something. And it came out, he swears a little bit in it. I even loved, even, I even love the part at the end, and it's so minute that he even has the consciousness to go, and I've got to go do media now too, boys. And he walks out the door and it closes. I just thought that was almost the scene, exactly, exactly as you say, the best scenes are the ones where it doesn't need any further explanation. We use a lot of interviews to, you know, you use interviews to explain moments further, but those scenes of when everything is encapsulated by, you know, from point A to point B, you don't need much music. It's just there for everyone to see. You see the um, Travis head looks like he's seen a ghost. Nathan Lyons crying. And then Tim Payne just stands up out of nowhere. Like, it's, it's amazing. And I feel like that is only because you've been there, and, and tunnels would know, only because you've been there for 12 months do you have the privilege then to be in that position. You can't get that on your first day. If that happened day two... You're probably not even allowed in the room because you're like, no, nah, okay, it's too raw, too early. Only by Doc having been on the road with those guys for 12 months. Like, you're right in there. So that's where trust is such a huge thing that when those big, big, you know, moments happen, and usually they're probably low moments, that's when you have the right to be there and you've got the trust to be there. So, Slim, it is behind the scenes. This is what happens in the Australian men's cricket team. They're not 10-year-olds where they get told off using language. This is as raw as it gets. And I am exactly the same in my workplace when the microphone's not on. I swear like a trooper. The Australian cricket team, tunners, AFL footballers, swear like troopers. How'd you deal with it, Slim? Did you think, I'm going to leave it all in because that is what happened? I need to take some out because how he'll be watching it with his nine-year-old. Like that speech of Tim's without the swearing would have lost so much. Completely, completely. It's context so, again. So, so what do you do? Did you discuss this as a team, the language component of your show? 
we we didn't. I, I think it came back to it needs to be honest because I think people now, there's so many sporting docs out there that people would see through pretty quick if you presented something with no swearing because I think we all swear in life and that's the human condition. You're frustrated, you're annoyed. That happens. So, but, but, eighty in Australian life, right yeah. or wrong, you don't have to be frustrated. I'll be talking to you. We'll, we'll say the F-bomb seven times in three sentences just when we're saying, G'day, mate, how you going? There's where I draw the line because you probably don't need to. <laughs> you know, that, but we do. Yeah, but we're not now. No. So because we're thinking about it. So I think, I think I'd like to be better than that, that when you're talking to people, you can probably say, you know what, you probably didn't need to say it there and it doesn't change the context or the emotion of the moment if I can remove that. So because you take it out at that so you take it out at that point? Oh, well, because otherwise, I, yeah. I, if, if I was sitting on this line now and every second word was FFF, you'd probably take it out because you go, it's not needed. I can right. still get my point across. But if it dramatically changed the emotion or that feeling at that moment, it's got to stay in. It's got to stay in because it, it doesn't actually make any sense without it. They're, they're probably the most powerful words at that moment for yeah. Tim to say. You know, and, and I think people see it early on. And I know Justin was a bit concerned about it. A few of the Australian cricketers were a bit concerned about it. But I think it needed to be not just a show for kids. It needed to be a show for adults too. If, if you are presenting this is the honest depiction of what happens, that's the honest depiction of what happens. I love it. Tunners, the two things I've taken from what I've seen from your show, the great gift that you are about to give the sport-loving public of Australia from where I take it is one how difficult hub life is. It's not sitting on a banana lounge with your wife and kids, occasionally going to footy. It is not being able to escape your job for months on end because every time you go to breakfast, you're sitting across your coach. The second thing you've provided me is that it's not just, come on, boys, let's go and stick it up and, you know, belt in hard and we'll win this game. Damien Damien Hardwick's speech before the grand final from the clip I've seen and the little clip I reckon it must be half time. It is all about that dreaded word that we hate in media about structures and processes and believing in what we've done. So they were the two eye openers for me. Okay, let's make a start. British street fight, there's no doubt about that, yeah? That's the reality of an AFL grand final. We've been in this situation before, we know exactly what it's like. We think about that highlight I showed at the uh, pre-game very first centre bounce, what do we see? Step in. It is all about believing in our process. Okay, the reality is our process has kept us in good shape throughout this course of the game, throughout the course of the year thus far. We've just got to continue to believe in it. Okay? Defensively, our setup behind our attack, our pressure has been very good at 2.13, elite in the round of the contest. Our system, though, has been average, but in reality, it's related to our offense. There's two things that's related to. First of all, our ability to set the ground up, our forwards, we're too far away. Okay, so we've got to get up the ground. Make sure we get that, our keys towards that contest. But we've also got to realise our mids and backs, what's the strength of our mids and backs? Run and carry, work rate, okay? We have to support the attack. So we've got all the answers. Are we asking you to do something we haven't done for the vast majority of the year? No, we haven't. All we've got to do is reset and believe what it looks like and understand what it feels like moving forward. <laughs> Understand the more we can get the ball to space, the more it favours us. Talk me through what you began to feel about hub life 
through watching it through the eyes of your cameraman? Well, hub, hub life was clearly difficult for everybody, and that's the players, the club staff, you know, our production team. We sent them on the road for what we thought was 30 days, mm. and a lot of our camera guys, um, producers, sandos ended up staying in a hub for four, four or five months. Like, it, you talk about every, the buzzword of unprecedented, it just was. We never intended or ever thought it would get to that point. And it was difficult. You had to make sure you supported your teams inside the hub. I'm talking about our production teams. Yes. Um, you know, being away from home for that length of time when you didn't expect it was difficult on them, was difficult on their family, um, difficult on their mental health. And these are all things that we just had to continue to support. Specifically for the players, it, it was exactly the same. It was no different from them. They... Yeah, they were told they were going to be going for a certain period. It ended up a lot longer. And you can see in the doco how it impacted, you know, the West Coast Eagles um, early. And I think, you know, they're on the record uh, of that. And you'll let the audience decide for themselves. Um, and even Damien Hardwick, he's on the record as he didn't handle COVID that well in the early stages. And he had to embrace, you know, the, the changes that were coming. And, and again, you, you say roll with the punches. You just had to. You didn't really have an option. Um, sort of, yeah. You, know, you had to band together as a team, whether you're a production team or a footy team. And the strongest ones come in, came out. Let's go, grab a jumper. Come on. Go. Hey, we've been through a hell of a journey. Okay. However, we decide what our story wants to be is on the Richmond Football Club. It's on every single individual in this little huddle now. Have we played the very best we have? No. We've got a long way to improve. There's no doubt about that. But the reality is, it is our story to write. What story you want it to be is determined by the man in that jumper and the man in that jumper beside you. It all comes down to us. We are playing a good side. There is no doubt about that, but you're a great side. So you get to dictate what this story looks like this second half. We understand who we are, but more importantly, we understand what we do. Hard, tough, Richmond-style footy. You leave nothing in the tank. You're playing in one of the biggest games of the year. Let's go. So I asked AD about when he heard um, Tim's speech. What's the bit of audio that you looked at? Like there's teasers in the clip, Stephen Canelio, the captain of the GWS, getting dropped and the coach telling him, like, you've got a camera in there. Damien Hardwick speaking on grand final day. Like what, what's, the, what's the audio and vision that you got back? I, I presume it comes back to the grand final because you – from what I've seen in the clips, you, you are providing a historical record that has never been seen in 175 years of football about what goes on on grand final day. Like, I know Pete Dixon has done some of this stuff, but the clips that I'm seeing and the chats I've had with you, you've taken it to a whole nother level. Yeah, look, grand final, I think, is the pinnacle. Um, you know, we went into it never knowing whether or not we would have one team or six teams in the finals, let alone make a grand final. So you talk about having to adapt on the on the run and on the fly, we had to adapt as a production team because we didn't know when our season was going to end. Who knows? All of our six teams mightn't have made the finals. And how does how does the documentary end? What is what is it? Um, so yeah, you just you have to go with it. What I, I think the the Stephen Canelio dropping, you, you you just touched on that. I think it's so raw, I think Leon Cameron handled it 
as well as he possibly could have with empathy. Um, you know, clearly it would have been the last thing he wanted to do. I mean, put aside whether it was the right or wrong decision, that's not for me to comment, but how it was handled from what we saw, I think it was handled as well as it possibly could have. It was it was hard to watch. Um, it was hard to watch the aftermath, and you know you see Stephen, and you can just almost see his heartbreak, mm. and you you can see what's going through his mind. Right? How am I going to deal with this? Is it embarrassment, or am I going to? Is this going to be the making of me? Am I am I going to come back stronger? Man, I had a good discussion in match committee. You're just out of form. Um, and I don't take that lightly. This is a really, really hard decision. Really hard one. But mate, just the output at the moment is just not there. And so absorbing this conversation and me delivering it to you is pretty bloody goddamn hard. And we're going into a cutthroat game this week. But I have to make this decision, Cox. Tanner, something you mentioned there, I made a a short film at one point about Mick Fanning and uh, he was attempting to win a world title. Now I'm a big fan of Mick Fanning. Never have I ridden a surfer as hard to win a world title after it as Mick Fanning because it tells your story. 80, Australia loses the ashes. Where does your show go? Luke, Richmond get knocked out in the second week of finals. Where does your show go? How much, we'll start with you, Slim, how much do you barrack the result to tell the redemption story that you're after? Because yours oh. is a story of redemption. Yeah. Now, if they lose the Ashes, they've redeemed their behaviour but not their cricket. Like, to me, you're left halfway up the creek, mate, and we know what the creek's called and you haven't got a paddle. No, but I, I disagree and I think it actually evolved that way and I think we got the right result for the story that what we were telling. But going back to your point, you ride it incredibly hard. And I remember driving home that night, it was two or three, headingly, and driving home, we'd left the office. I think Rude had departed. Heady, we left the office after Travis Head got the run out. Yeah. Oi! Come on! Trouble. Yeah! Brilliant from Travis Head at mid-wicket. There was a mix-up between Stokes and Butler, and Butler's failed to make his ground. You can see what it means to Australia. And we thought, we are on our way here. And I thought, OK, I'm from my office to Box Hill South, half an hour, I can get home. OK, watch it. <laughs> Hedy caught um, Joffre Archer at the corner of Union Road in Canterbury. <laughs> Cut! Top edge. Man there. Western Terrace behind him. Oh, I think he's done OK. I think he's done okay there. And the reaction tells you he's fine. <laughs> and I remember eating it, and I remember sitting on the couch that night and you're watching and just heartbeat, just, oh, the, I, I, I can't deal with this. And we're all riding on it because we win that, we go, you know, almost we can't be beaten. Cut away. Cut away for four. What an innings, what a player. Take a bow, Ben Stokes. The Ashes well and truly alive because of one cricketer, and that cricketer is Benjamin Stokes. But I remember waking up the next morning devastated, and it probably happened in previous examples of other things I did, and I just thought the doco will be better for it because we've had 
if we can come back from this, yes. it'll be a better story because look at the low we've, we've just got. It's one of the most amazing test matches of all time and we're privy to be inside the Australian rooms at that point and look at what it gave us, look at the turnaround, look at Justin Langer taking the team to review it the next day. So you get all these great moments. Cut away for four. The Ash is well and truly alive because of one cricketer. So hard to watch, hard to watch, but it is what it is. The only thing I will say, there's an opportunity, in my opinion, with 71 to go, last ball the over. We can't give an easy run like that. If you wanted to sweep from <coughs> wide out of rough, we thought it was actually a chance to get him out. Were our plans clear enough to Stokes, do you reckon? We know, we could have changed the fields. We could have bowled more bounces. We had blokes coming on saying bowl slow balls, half bowling, three slow balls, in for three sixes. So, 100% we can do things slightly differently. We didn't panic. We didn't shit ourselves. We tried our best. We had a crack. The bloke had a day out. Um, yeah, absolutely. I've been awake all night. I would have changed the field a hundred times. I think we all would have. But we didn't. And fortunately, we go then to Old Trafford. We win What if that you'd next lost test. What if you well, lost that next so test? So here's the catch. So there's five tests in an Ashes. After four, up to one. We go to the Oval and it peters out. again. This time it's a diving catch that means that England have taken this final match of this Ashes series. It squares the series to all. Uh, what do we do? We can't really just skip this and go, hey, let's just get to Old Trafford. We've won. Let's roll the credits. <laughs> what do we do? You've got to be honest and go, this is what we're saying before. Luke's saying all the time, you've got to adapt. You've got to keep thinking, well, what now? So, what was really important for us was to tell that part of, hey, there was so much weight put on winning the Ashes that they were so exhausted that it felt like, oh, it didn't work out the way we planned. But that's the truth of the sporting, I guess, experience that it keeps going. That wasn't supposed to be perfect. I think it would have been too perfect, almost like a Hollywood script. If you are, we win the Ashes and everything's good and we're rosy again, tick it off. The beauty is that, okay, we redeemed our qualities as a, as a cricketing nation. Our culture's changed. We've done the right things. We're on a path to somewhere, but there's still further to go. And again, it just speaks of the human experience and life experience that it can't just be, yeah, wrap it all up. That's Hollywood. The documentaries don't turn out the way you're meant to be. It's a great description, Slim. What about you, Tunner? So you followed Adelaide, Rory Sloan. They finished bottom of the ladder, which is... I hope anyone that goes for Adelaide doesn't take this the wrong way. It is a great result because you see the pain and the effort and the disappointment of loss. You follow West Coast, you think they're heavily involved, they lose their first final. So they're out. Howie, that was an unlosable game, everybody was was saying, remember? Against Against Collingwood over there. The siren's going to sound. They've won it. The unwinnable game. So you're sweet there. You follow the Giants all year. They're going to be top four. They're going to play in a preliminary final. They don't make the eight. You follow the Gold Coast Suns. They're up and about. That's good. You follow Richmond. They finish top four. They lose their first final against Brisbane. Here it comes. Listen to this. You are a 
semi-final win away from not having a team involved in the last two weeks of the season. I would imagine, whether you want to admit it or not, you're pretty edgy at this stage. And I know you were because I commentated these games when you were producing them on Triple M footy on Friday nights. I'll happily admit, Howie, that you barrack <laughs> for, for the story and you barrack for what you're involved in. Just back to the Crows. Yes, the Crows finished last. They lost whatever it was, 15 or 16 on the trot. If I'm a Crows supporter and I watch this, I would be over the moon with where they're going as a club. Yep. What this shows from the outset is where they were at the start of the season to where they were at the end, and they've got the right people there. You, know, you look at the coach, Matty Nix, you look at the captain, Rory Sloan. Even though they lost 16 games on the trot, this documentary shows that they are the right people to lead that club you know, going forward. It's been... Disappointing, humbling year. I know there's a few words you could probably put to it, but the way we finished, so there's some genuine excitement around. As long as the hurt from finishing bottom is that burner and driver, and we take the lessons we learnt throughout the whole year and take them into next year. And you'll be thrilled if you're a pro supporter, in my opinion. Whereas you look at Richmond, and you look at where they were after round, uh, remember we only had a, what did we have, a 17 or 18 season, uh, week season. Maybe it was around, it was probably about three or four weeks before the end of the season, they had a, a couple of off-field incidents. And they were doing it really tough. And I remember when we sat in their boardroom back in January, you know, eight months earlier, we said, there, it's, there will be a roller coaster. You know, you're not going to win every single game. And there will be things that happen but that's all part of the story. How do we look at losses? Opportunity to grow is a gift, okay? So this is really important. This meeting could be the most important meeting for the remainder of the year because there's going to be a lot of learnings out of it. When you think about us as a footy club, what are most opposition clubs going to try and do to us? Sorry, Nick, was that you? Yeah, get under our skin. Now, once again, we've all done it in this room. But the fact of the matter is, it's realistically the only way opposition sides, I think, can get an advantage on us. And we've got to sit there and accept responsibility for how we react to that. There's going to be times, no doubt, that we'll get frustrated and we will lash out. But the reality is we're doing it too much. Because what was the game decided by on the weekend? Free kicks and 50s. That's the reality of it, okay? Free kicks and 50 metre penalties are incredibly valuable when the games become tighter. Okay, so this is a lesson for us going forward. We can control who we are and what we do. We've got to get better at that part of the game. But this is what the second chance gives us, okay? Once again, it gives us a different way. It gives us a different opportunity. Adversity happens throughout the course of your life, throughout the course of your career, all these things, but it's another opportunity to win a different way. Okay, so understand this is our challenge now. This is the way. So this is the way we move forward. Sometimes when you go up that mountain, you're going to have to shift course. You might have to go backwards till you go forwards, but it's still the way. Yes. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. Well done, boys. Too good. Yeah, it's a great, hey, it's a great game, mate. Can you believe it? I can't, man. I honestly can't. Okay. You've both now produced some wonderful television. And on the cream on the cake, I think, is the test and making their mark. So now you're not just Slim and Tunners. You're Adrian Brown, director, producer, executive producer. You're Luke Tunnicliffe, executive producer. The world Interchange is, guru. 
is slash guru. The world is at both your feet. Amazon Prime come to you both and say, righto, separately, we want you to produce a sport doco on any person, any historical event, any current event, any live event. You choose. Budget is no issue. The person will say yes. So you can go archival and do it on Bradman's 334 or you can do it on... Tiger Woods at next year's Masters. You can do anything. What are you making your ultimate sporting doco on, Slim? And budget's no issue. Budget is no issue. Pretty much <laughs> like making their Mark Tunners. <laughs> uh, so if you were given a moment in sport that suddenly they said, here's the vault and here's some film reels that have never been touched, yep. but you know what? We shot everything. Yep. What would it be? From an Australian point of view, I would love to be handed the tape of Hiddick and the Socceroos from 05, 06 World Cup and tap into Kuehl. I could see that and go, you've got Kuehl, Viduka, Kale. This mystery man of Gus Hiddick, how did he turn this team around? Like that would just be an amazing box of archive to be given. Yeah. And, to see, and I could already see you've got great characters involved. What it meant for Australia at that time, I think that would be something that I go, wouldn't that be something to work with? It's a great answer, AD. When you start doing your research, there's a book. By Adam Peacock called yes. That Night. Yeah, there well, he also, made a doco also. Yeah. There is also a audio podcast on the Howie Games called The Moment, The Socceroos, which will take you behind the scenes further. Yes. If you haven't listened to that one, now, Tunners, the world is yours oh, to answer it any way you please. I'm a touch flat, Howie. All day you've gone to 81st, 80 gets the pick of, <laughs> pick of the bunch every time. That gives you um, thinking time, though, mate. I, that gives I, you thinking time. I like both of those ideas. Kyrgios, Socceroos, I mean, if. Yes, both of them would absolutely work. Uh, I love travelling, like you do, Howie, when the world reopens at some point and budget was never an issue. I, and I don't know how you would pull all this together, but I just I would love to go to the creme de la creme of sporting events across a 12-month period. So ah. it's Ashes, it's Super Bowl, it's the Kentucky Derby, it's... The Monaco. AFL Grand Final, it's Monaco. It's like literally every sport in one and you get full access behind the scenes and you tell the stories of, of the travelling and that particular zone or area you're in. I would love that, but it's never going to happen. Um, if, I, <laughs> if you gave me the magic wand, I'm, uh, I think LeBron James I just find so fascinating. He's such a divisive character. I mean, he's such a, a legend. There's all, always the talk of him versus Jordan, the greatest of all time. Um, he's a businessman. He's a philanthropist. He is a media star. He's sort of got everything. I, I would, and then, you know, you've got the Black Lives Matter movement, which he's, you know, really strong on. I just think I haven't seen a doco myself that covers all of that. And it will happen. There's no doubt somebody probably already is doing it now. But I, I, I just think he's such a complex character that I would love to be able to unravel. Hey, boys. Um, it's the first time we've done anything like this on the Howie Games. It's funny. I tried to get hold of last year, old mate, his name's Jason Hehare, who produced yeah. The Last Dance. I tried to, because I had this concept then, and I couldn't get hold of him. And then I thought about it with you, with AD, with a test, and then making their mark. You can get them both on Amazon. I think it's probably obvious by now. Uh, I'm pumped to do it to two blokes I know really well. I know, I know where they've come from. Your explanations have been fantastic. 
I hope people understand how much effort now goes into making these shows. Watch the shows, whether you're into sport or not, because it will give you a greater understanding of the term you used, Aidy, the human condition. Congratulations to both of you. I think you've both done something wonderful to show us behind the scenes on our loved characters who only ever see in a broadcast sense. So congratulations to the both of you and your teams. It's outstanding television. I loved every moment watching it. Good on you, boys. Thanks, Kira. Thanks, Aidy. Cheers, Harry. The boys, Adi and Tunners, legends. What about their passion for what they do? After listening to that episode, I hope when you watch Making Their Mark, which comes out on March 12 on Amazon Prime, or go back and look at the test. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it. I hope that you're able to see it all through another lens now, just what's involved in making these works of art, which is what they are. Alrighty, until tomorrow with the truly incredible story of Love Morton Door, peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. Listener.